Very warm greetings to all in the very blessed name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now we continue on this particular beatitude. Blessed are they that moan. Before we go further, let us all turn to God in prayer. Eternal God, our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for safe mercies to thy house. And Lord, we know that we have sinned against you in many ways, in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds through the day. We pray that you be merciful to search our hearts and show us our sins, that we may confess and bear the fruits of repentance. And Lord, that this night of gathering would not be an abomination to you. And Father, we come before thy throne now to, Lord, seek thy help to understand your word. And Father, we acknowledge that as we go through this world, we fail thee in so many ways. Lord, how can we not moan over our sin or sinfulness before you? So Father, we pray that tonight, you continue to teach us what it means to moan and what it means to be comforted. Lord, work a work of grace in thy church. Lord, we need to be people that really start to moan about our sin. So, Father, be merciful to be in our midst. Help the young ones in our midst to understand your word. And, Lord, we know that it is not the words of men or the preparations of men, but, Lord, only thy Holy Spirit alone can cause us to be moved. So may he be our teacher for each one of us. We ask for thy kingdom's sake, in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are at the second beatitude. Now what does it mean to moan? This word is the strongest Greek word for, for, for moaning. There are different degrees and this one is the strongest. It is often used at funerals where people would express their grief, right? that is so deep, that is uncontrollable. They would cry and weep and wail even. So this is that particular word for moan. All right? It's not just feeling a little bad about my sins. It's not feeling a little bit sorry and that is all. Now, this morning and at this point of time, we're studying about the mourning over our sins. Right? We study about mourning over other areas in the weeks to come. But the mourning over our sins, our sins now must be a deep agony in us. This is not just um, well, head knowledge, but it is something that the Christian, every Christian must experience. Because God said, blessed are they that moan. Unless as a Christian, you say, well, I do not want to be blessed. I don't care to be blessed. Christians are not blessed. Now, it is something that the Christian must have. So we learn what is moaning, lamenting, um, remorse. Well, even if it means weeping over our sins, friends, when was the last time you wept over any sin? As we think about well, how we so often fail God, disappoint Him, break our promises, how shameful it is. We must have such um, remorse in our hearts. The Apostle Paul cried out, Oh, wretched men that I am, wretched men that I am, and He is so much more holier than us. When was the last time? We moaned over our sins. So this is not also just about sins, particular sins, but our sinfulness. That was what Paul was moaning over. Not just particular sins, but all the flesh that still exists within him, how he struggled against it. He's so sick of it. Not just our sin, but our sinfulness. We are not sinfully, um, sin, sinless until we get to heaven. And until then, there must always be this frustration in us. Do you have that? Do you have that? 
The world constantly just wants us to be amused, entertain everything on the internet, on the television, around us in advertisements are all meant to take our minds away from anything that would help us to look inward. Right? So that is what the world is today, Christians. This is a lost, a lost characteristic in Christendom, I believe, in most churches, in most Christians today. It's always about the artificial smile, the, the plastic um, smile, and it's always about, I'm excited. Wow, what wonderful, bless the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that we should not rejoice, but it's come to a point where we even think that repentance is something that is not necessary, let alone remorse over sin. The hyper-grace today, hyper-grace theology teaches that there is no need to repent. There is no need to be sorry. Why do you even want to confess your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future? But here the Lord makes it clear in the present tense, blessed are, right? It's something the Christian should experience. So teens, have you experienced that? Hmm? Well, then we learned about how to moan, how to moan, right? A quick revision. Well, before that, it is, well, mourning over sin is not this hysterical antiques, right? Hysterical behaviors that some people do in church. I hope that we have pub, pub, private mourning, especially. Now, how to moan, how to mourn. Maybe, maybe I should ask, Thomas, how should we mourn? How do we practice mourning? What is one thing that we can do? Yes, so we turn to God in prayer. You don't pray, you won't moan, all right? You just keep yourself so busy with things. What is one of the things that we always do in church camp? All right, which in? Reflection, all right? How will we ever moan over our sin? If we keep ourselves, well, so um, occupied with entertainment, right, teens, all the time on your social media, you must take time to moan. means reflection, Reflection. What do you do in reflection? We leave pages at the back of your church camp booklet to let you write, all right, your notes, and you reflect over them. Make a list. In other words, Christian, have you done that in the last week? We've been learning this for the last two, three weeks. Have you even made a list? Lord, this is the list of my sins that I know are still present with me. I kneel before you now. And Lord, I moan over this and the Holy Spirit to work in your heart, all right? So, you know the Lord says, blessed, it is more blessed to give than to receive, right? So what must you do? You must give. You must take action. So when the Lord says, blessed are they that moan, means Christian must actually make it a point to moan. We must actually set apart time to moan. Unless you feel that, well, I am really so sinless and I'm so great, I don't need to have moaning. Well, I think that is more for you to moan. Now, how to moan? Yes, reflection, take, part, take time apart, especially in the place of prayer, in the receiving of your word, reading the word, searching out your sins. Now, how else? Well, James tells us, right? Be afflicted and moan, same word. Be afflicted and moan and weep. Let your laughter be turned to moaning and your joy to heaviness. We studied last week, right? Quick revision. And I hope you've been doing that. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Now, if you and I know that there are besetting sins in our lives that, that have been plaguing us, 
If you, if you and I know there are things that in our lives we are not right before God, we have not dealt with them, and yet we feel that there is no need to take time apart to mourn, that is very sad. Now, God says, let your laughter be turned to mourning and let your joy to heaviness, meaning to say, when we know those are still present with us, it is time to moan. It is time to say, Lord, this time where I go to the gym every week, this time where I uh, watch the news, this time when I, well, um, take some recreation, this time when I do my hobbies, this time when I um, look at my social media, all those, Lord, I'm putting them aside. Let your laughter be turned. This turn is changed and exchanged into moaning. There is an exchange that needs to be done. I'm not saying it's wrong to have recreation, but when we are at a point of life where there's so much in our lives to be dealt with and, well, we still go on with our recreation. Well, Lord, I, I don't feel much, so Lord, I, I guess I'll just continue with my recreation, right? So we must, as Scripture says, be afflicted. It's time to be afflicted. This word afflicted, is to mean wretched, be wretched. That's what Paul used. Oh, wretched man that I am is the same word. Time to search our hearts, reflect, feel the wretchedness, let the wretchedness sink in us. All right, our sin, our sinfulness. Teens, I ask you again, teens, don't be one that constantly want to play, 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 and be entertained and watch uh, funny um, um, YouTube shorts and all that. Be someone that learned to moan. Right, teens? Even preteens? This week, will you do that? Will you kneel before God in your room? Adults, the same? Write down your sins and tell the Lord, Lord, I have not moaned over this. It's so shameful, Lord. This is the kind of person I am. Teens, the Lord is not talking to just adults. Right? It's to you too, as long as you're a believer. Adults, when was the last time you came before the Lord with any mourning at all. Our prayers are, Lord, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's about me, me, me. Nothing about mourning over our sinfulness, our failures, our shortcomings, how we disappoint the Lord all the time. How can we sin against His love? All these things, right? So that is how, right? That is how. Now, have you made that list? Will you do so? Because it's be afflicted. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. Have you made any exchange to spend time to mourn? Now we come to this week. Now the Lord promises that for they shall be comforted, comforted. Now what is this comforted? Now it's a unique um, word in a sense. It's, it's, you would not expect it to be used here, all right? Now, there are other words that are also translate, translated as comforted. Now, for example, let me read to you. Um, there are plenty, all right? I'm just taking one for example. Uh, Luke 8, 48, Luke 8, 48. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, all right? Now, we know this story well. It is about the woman with a particular illness in her. And she tried to get healing from the Lord, came close to the Lord, and um, she touched just his garment, and she was healed. And here the Lord says, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Now, this word comfort here, 
Now, it refers to, um, well, the Greek word is thasio, all right? You don't have to remember that. I just want you to know it's a different word. This word is thasio, thasio here, all right? Now, it means to be of good cheer, be of good cheer. It means be of good courage. Don't be fearful. It means um, uh, um, comfort, right? I'm comforting you, encouraging you. Be of good cheer, right? Be joyful, be thankful. Now, we would assume, assume that this is the word that God would use. They that moan over our sins, well, God would say, well, be of good cheer. You are forgiven. Um, and and well, don't fear anymore, all right? We would think it is that word, but it is a very different word. In fact, it is a word that is normally translated and used in this way. Let me read to you. For example, um, right, Luke 3.18. Luke 3.18. And many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. I read to you again, Luke 3.18. And many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. You say, Pastor, there's no comfort word comfort here. You know, so did you quote the wrong verse? Now, this word exhortation and many other things in his exhortation preached he unto them, unto the people. This word exhortation is this word that is translated as comfort in the beatitude. Comfort. Now, earlier word was thasio. Now, but here, the word is kaleo, uh, para kaleo, all right? The verb, para kaleo. You say, why must I know the word para kaleo, all right? Now, the word para is alongside, right? You know, parallelogram, the two lines run parallel, alongside, alongside. And then kaleo is to speak or to talk or to instruct, kaleo, talk, right? Speak, instruct. So this word and many other things in his exhortation, exhortation is where we have the same word as blessed are they that moan for they shall be comforted. Exhortation is the word comfort, exhortation. Now, so what is this word, para kaleo, all right? Now, it is to call one um, call to one's side means to call you to, 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 to be next to this person or the person comes near you, right? To call or to summon, right? To be near. And then to address and to speak to the person. Address or speak to the person. Now, by way of exhortation, that is why it's translated as exhortation as well, by way of exhorting someone and treating someone comforting someone, instructing someone, right? So this has a different additional dimension to just cheering, all right? Cheering is involved there, all right? Comforting, encouraging, cheering, um, uh, lifting up the spirit, are uh, all there. But this comfort comes from the aspect of someone coming alongside and instructing and um, speaking to you um, um, exhorting you. Now, that is the difference. Instructing and teaching is involved. How do you derive this comfort? It's through that, all right? It's through that. The comforter is come. That's why it's called the comforter. He teaches you, the Bible says. When the comforter is come, he will teach you all things. That is why he is the teacher as well. Now, so for example, remember we studied 
um, the case where, where um, the, the man who committed um, incest with his mother-in-law, uh, not mother-in-law, stepmother, and then Paul rebuked them. You did not moan for your sin. The same thing. You, instead of mourning, you were proud. Now, after the person repented, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7, Paul used this word, so contrary-wise, he ought rather to, for, to forgive him and comfort him. Now, he used this word, comfort, parakaleo. All right? Now, so let me ask you, why does Psalm 34, verse 18, which we've studied previously, when we studied about meekness, uh, about um, um, lowly in spirit, baggily. Now, why does it say, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as of contrite spirit? Right? The Bible tells us the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Is paraka eleo. Why? The Lord says, now, when you are of a broken heart and a contrite spirit, meaning to say you're someone who moans over your sin, you're someone who realizes how, what a beggar you are, void of any righteousness, any goodness. Why does God say such a person, well, the Lord is nigh unto them? Because of parakaleo, he draws near. He calls you to his side or he comes beside you, come alongside you. That is why God says when your spirit is a moaning spirit, broken and contrite heart over your sins, I will be near you. I will be near you. That is the comfort. It is different from, all right, different from um, the other comfort that we normally think about. It has that dimension of instructing, correcting, speaking, exhorting, even rebuking, all right? So it has that dimension. Now, let me ask you this question then. Why is it important to know the difference so that we can show off that we know the difference? Why is it important to know the difference? Why do you, th why do you think it is important? Well, how does it help you? Vincent. All right. Skip. Um, it's Howard. Howard. Very clever to change position. Howard. Very good, very good. All right, for those in the cry room, if you didn't hear. Well, the other, um, the other comfort where it is the Lord healed the person, she wanted something very much. She got healed, she received that, all right? And then she went away and the Lord said, be cheerful. Now, it is not sinful, all right, to have that kind of, of um, cheer and comfort. The Lord says, be of good comfort. God wanted her. When you receive these things, be joyful, all right? But when we realize that when you moan and then you, you are comforted with the other kind of comfort, now you learn something, all right? You learn something because God instructs you. You learn something and then you change, all right? That is what our brother said. You learn something and you change. Now, when you learn something and then you change, what is the word we typically say, Alex? When you know that you have sinned, then you 
Repent, repent, all right? So this comfort is not just receiving forgiveness and then you're thankful for it. But this comfort, is, it leads you to repentance. It leads you to repentance. That's why it's a very blessed kind of comfort. Now, teens, I hope that you try to understand, or like preteens as well, sitting here. Now, imagine this. You did something naughty, all right? You did something naughty. And then your daddy says, well, I want you to go and reflect on what you did. Go to your room. What, what time do you call that? Downtime, is it? What time? I don't know. Your, your punishment time, all right? You go to your room and you reflect, all right? And then you come out, all right? You come out and then... Well, your daddy feels, all right, I think I've punished you enough. Uh, then I comfort you, all right? Now, I give you an ice cream. I give you an ice cream, all right? I see that, I see that well, you know, you've gone through that punishment. I give you an ice cream. Then you go away very happy, all right? But have you changed? Have you changed? Probably not. You just are thankful that your daddy forgave you. You did your downtime or whatever time it is, all right, that time, and then daddy now say, all right, it's forgiven. But you did not change much, probably. Now, the difference for this is we can moan, we can weep, um, we can be very sorrowful over our sins, but actually do not want to take instructions. Do you think it's possible? Yes. We just want to be forgiven. We just want to be, <clears throat> um, we just want the consequences to go away. <clears throat> and if the consequences <clears throat> goes away, we are happy. That's all. But if, if God says, come and listen, when you moan, as you moan, as you, as you reflect on your sins, and then God begins to come beside you through his word, through sermons, through Bible studies, through Christians who counsel you. When God comes beside you to begin, or even your parents, to talk to you about this particular sin, what is your response? Now, sometimes we can feel, um, yeah, we know that we are proud, or we know that we are stubborn, we know that we are, we are um, well, a gossip, we know that we, we are envious, we are jealous, we are um, um, unforgiving. We have all this kind of sinful attitude. We know, right? We know. And we may even feel frustrated about ourselves in, that, in those areas. But when you hear it from someone else, because remember, God doesn't speak to us through dreams and visions anymore. God speaks through us through his written word, his preached word today, when you hear someone tell you about it, you actually get upset. Talking about my sin again, correcting me again, right? Especially at home, when parents tell us something, we get frustrated again. But we know in our heart that, yes, that is me. That is me. You're a selfish child. We know we are. But then we get angry, Right? So, yeah, we can, we can actually acknowledge our sin. We can actually admit our sin. But this, there is no genuine moaning. Because that genuine moaning, and I hope that you 
understand this. When God said, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. It is only those that have this genuine mourning that God will come near and comfort. Because God comes near a few times through His Word or through instructions, and then you get mad, you get angry. God leaves you alone. The gen- it is the genuine remorse that bleeds to repentance. I want to say that again, all right? So what our brother elaborated is exactly what this passage is saying. The genuine remorse leads to repentance. It always does that. Well, we have the case of Judas Iscariot. He wept bitterly, the Bible says. Bitterly, all right? He wept, he wept terribly. He was really broken. But did it lead to repentance? No. No, it did not. He did not turn to God. He, did, he just wanted to make right things. Return the money, absolve himself, have the people know that, no, I did something wrong, just take back the money. I, do, I, I don't want to be responsible for this anymore. He just wanted that, that's all. But he has always heard what repentance is. Christ, God on earth, from his very lips, taught repentance. No one can teach repentance better than him. No human being can ever, the best preacher can ever preach anything better than Christ. He heard from God's own very lips on earth. But he will not turn to repentance. He will not turn to repentance. So we can be very frustrated with ourselves. We say, ah, I know I'm this kind of person, despicable at work, at school, at home, um, in church. But it's not, it's not moaning. It's not moaning. We actually have very little desire to make any changes to it. So please don't get this mistaken idea that this morning is, well, yesterday I, I pastor, yesterday I moaned, you know, when I prayed in my morning devotion, my quiet time, and I cried over my sins. Well, good. But the question is, is that repentance? Because this kind of mourning always responds to repentance. Always. Not like Judas Iscariot. Well, we also study about Ahab. Not like Ahab. All right? Just turned himself against the faith to face the wall and cried like a baby. That's all. All right? They just wanted to get what they want. They want Thasio. That's all. Give me what I want. That's all. Now, therefore, Christian, it is, it is important that we really ask ourselves, when we receive God's word, when we receive um, his rebuke, his instructions, how, are we, how do we respond? Well, then we will know whether we will be comforted or not. Now, why is this comfort so wonderful? Because you will have the right view of your sin. The genuine mourning. When you take the time, when you ask that God show you, and you take the effort to be afflicted, it is what you must do. Reflect on it. Well, the right view of sin will dawn on you. You begin to abhor your sin. That is the kind of mourning. Because God, when He comes near and begins to show you, the question is, are you going to rationalize? Are you going to give excuses? 
You've been convicted of being stubborn, resisting parental authority or whatever authority in school, at work, in church, whatever it is. You've been convicted of in your heart about, well, telling lies, whatever it is. Then God begins to convict you, right? You say, Lord, I want to reflect on this. God begins to convict you. And then while you are praying or while you're thinking about it or while you're reading, you begin to say, well, actually, in my case, it's a bit different. Actually, in my case, this is not the case. Not, not so this way, not so that way. Well, through mourning, we'll respond to God's word. Right? You will have the right view of sin. You abhor that sin and not excuse that sin. Now, next one. Why is this, why is this comfort so strong, so lasting? And this is the one that God uses because it leads you to repentance. We mentioned that already. Right? It's this kind of moaning that leads you to repentance. When God says he's moaning, all right, I'm coming to him or her and I'm going to show him the way. And I know he'll, he will receive it. She will embrace it and she will want to change. She will not say, but Lord, you know, in my case, it's different. But Lord, in this situation, maybe just once. No, the person will say, Lord, I am so unclean. I am so sickening, Lord. I am such a hypocrite, Lord. It leads to repentance, all right? A very wonderful kind of comfort. Now, and this kind of repentance will be lasting because you will see this sin as truly abhorrible, abhorrent. Now, then the next one, it leads to restoration of fellowship. That is why it's so wonderful. The Lord coming to you. You coming to the Lord as you mourn. The Lord draws nigh to you. And this comfort comes to you. The restoration of fellowship. Christian, I ask you this. Are you, more, are you more sad? Are you sadder when your parents are angry at you? Are you sadder when your boss is angry at you? Are you sadder that when your, your friend is angry at you, upset at you, because you offended them, um, you sinned against them? Are you sadder or more sad at that? Or the very thought that God and your fellowship is broken which troubles you the most? That will tell us what kind of mourning we have. I just can't bear the thought. Having offended God, having sinned against Him, having disappointed Him again, having broken my promise to Him again, how can I look at Him? And you know that sin causes God to be angry. Your fellowship is broken. How do you feel, right? You go home, you know, daddy and mommy is angry at you. you, you feel very heavy in your heart when you go to school as well. Do you feel that way when you're not right with God? But this comfort, this comfort when God comes, God instructs you and you repent and you hate this sin, well, this restoration is the most joyful experience you can have. Have you gone through those seasons like David? where you know a certain sin you've committed is weighing on you, and then it weighs on you for days, for weeks, for months, for David's case, months. There was no joy, there was brokenness. It was, he felt like he was like an old man, right? Um, so weak. Well, do you feel that way when your fellowship is not right with God? 
Have you experienced that? Have you known that? Christianity, like I mentioned today, is all about being happy, being happy, being happy, and rejoice and rejoice and rejoice. Don't even think one moment about your sin. It will cause you mental health problems, right? That, that's the kind of thinking. Today, I received a brochure, all right? Um, in church, for the pastors, I opened it. It's a seminar, all right? For pastors, for full-time workers. And they say, for anybody, businessmen, anybody, kind of thing. And they say, well, how to, how to manage your mental health, all right? about the stress of the ministry, about the problems in ministry. Nothing in there is all about how to make you feel happier mentally, emotionally more, more um, um, uh, peaceful, that kind of thing. Right? It's all that. Uh, well, when I read it, I, I, I wish there is a seminar that taught pastors, full-time workers, Christians, how to be broken. I think that is where you get the closest fellowship with God. Right? So I hope that you understand that there is this Christianity that we, we ignore. And this is the second beatitude. The second beatitude after God telling us to realize that we are beggars before Him and then now tell us to moan. Very different from the Christianity today. Now, like I say, please don't spiritualize this. Don't, don't turn into um, um, uh, um, uh, artificial... Um, Yes, outward mourning kind of person and look very sad from tomorrow onwards when you come to church, right? When people talk to you, you say, I'm mourning. I'm not saying pretend to be, all right? Now, the next one, why is this comfort so, so, so lasting, so wonderful? The last one is the last hour, right? We have right view of sin, we have repentance, we have restoration of fellowship. Now, the last hour is, is a relief. You get a relief from the grip of sin. You get the relief from the grip of sin. Why does God say if you moan, genuinely moan, and you have that kind of moaning, where you take the time, afflict yourself, where you, where, you, where you turn your laughter into sorrow, when you moan over your sin, you really ponder upon them. God says you have a comfort. Why? Because when I instruct you about that sin, and when you turn from it, you will see its sinfulness and you will break from its power. That is how we break from the power of habitual sin, my friends. Why do we go on in our habitual sin or besetting sin, as the Bible calls it? The sin that so easily draws you back again and again and causes you to fall, teens. Do you know why? Because you don't moan. I don't moan over our sin. The failures of fatherhood, the failures of motherhood, the failures as a child at home, the failures of our testimony, the failures of our lack of holiness, the failures of our commitments to God, the failures, so many failures in our uh, baptismal vows. Every of this. Why? Because the besetting sins are not what we moan about. Instead of mourning over them, we actually love them secretly. We keep them secretly, right? That is why there is, there is hardly any victory over our besetting sins because of the lack of moaning. It is not just kneel before the Lord. Lord, I sinned that sin again, all right? Lord, I have that thought again. Lord, I said that again. And then, Lord, forgive me, all right? Why would we ever hate that sin? Hating the sin, viewing the sin as we should, comes from moaning. Hence, the Lord says, blessed are they that moan, for they will be comforted. 
Now, let me ask you, how, how do you view, how do you view pride? How do you view pride? How do you view um, lying, gossiping? How do you view hatred, anger, unforgiving spirit, holding a grudge? How do you view envy, jealousies? How do you view all these sins that plague us? We often view them as common sins, common sins. I'm sure every one of us have, have those sins still plaguing us, and we just take them lightly, and everybody, all Christians are like that. Everybody holds grudges. Everybody gossips a little. Everybody um, um, uh, envious or jealous of something in school or at home or in church. There's always some jealousy. Ah, no big deal. Now, Christian, you know the kind of, of um, the brokenness of such a person? You just don't know. People who are, people who hold grudges, people are, who are envious, jealous, people who are um, um, proud, they go to bed nursing those emotions. Many people, they don't sleep well because my colleague got promoted instead of me. My, my colleague got more pay increment than me or whatever it is. Or someone in church, right, um, got more praise, more praises than me and all that. We nurse them. Or un unforgiving spirit in the church. Some sister or brother says something to you, whether intentional or unintentionally, offended you, um, um, insulted you, or, and then you hold it for years. Now God says, when you and I moan over sins, very often these sins are the sins that keep us awake at night, that make us angry at someone that we hold on in our lives years and years and years between um, even family members, between spouse, spouses. I'm not even talking about the big sins, so-called, right? These are the little sins that are always there, but we don't moan, and then our life is miserable. Sometimes you hear Christians share. When I was... When, if, when, when the person said, well, before I got saved, I was a very selfish person, right? And after the Lord saved me, I was totally different. Even my family members can't recognize me, all right? Selfishness was something that plagued me. And then over time, they return to their sin again. And then they return and they become selfish and they, become, um, they plot and they scheme to get what they want. What a miserable life. There are people who say openly, I'm, I had a very, very bad temper and unforgiving spirit. Well, how the Lord freed me from that. And they remember the first few years of their Christian life. Freed from them. No more going to bed angry. No more looking at a person with, 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 with frustration. It was just joy. Just joy. They moaned over it. The Lord instructed them. And they took that into heart. And they said, yes, I will not be like that. And then they go back again. Because something happened in their lives. And then instead of comfort, back to that miserable dark hole. Do you experience that? Many experience that. So my friends, when God says um, discomfort involves instructions, exhortation, rebuke, teaching, that is what it means. Only when you receive and embrace that part of the comfort will this be a genuine comfort for your mourning. For your mourning. The most foolish thing is to continue hiding, ignoring, taking things lightly. 
um, excusing, rationalizing, instead of moaning, instead of moaning. Then we live as husband and wives, always arguing, always bearing a certain grudge, always unforgiving. What a miserable home. It can happen in church. No, can happen in church. I think it happens in church more often than the home. It can happen between you and another Christian, you and leaders, leaders and members. Very miserable kind of life. Wouldn't you want to be freed from that? Right? So this comfort is not just the external relief of some consequence of sin that may come, but this includes the internal relief, all right? That comfort that cannot come except you moan and embrace what God says about this sin and say, Lord, no more. Will I think like that, speak like that, behave like that? Then you will know this genuine comfort. Let us turn to God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, O Lord, Sometimes we admit our sins. Sometimes we confess, we think, we confess our sins. But there is so little moaning. We know little of such an experience in our Christian walk. Oh, Father, because we do not afflict ourselves. We do not turn our laughter into sorrow. We do not make any time, effort at all to even list down our sins, let alone moan over them before you. Lord, teach us to practice this. Because you say, blessed are they that moan. So, Lord, we need to go and moan. We need to do something. Lord, let us have an experience of this. And when you draw near with your word, with sermons, with Bible studies, even through someone, Lord, when we embrace instead of rationalize, excuse, even get angry, but moan. Oh Lord, we want to know of this moaning, that we may know of this comfort. Comfort of being freed from the habitual sins that constantly plague us and we hold on to them and love them. Oh Father, forgive us for taking all these things so lightly. That is why there is so little power in our lives. Teach us the power of this morning. We ask and pray this, and also ask that you be with us in a place of prayer as we cry to you for your church, for your kingdom's work, for we are poor and needy. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.